0: Diana, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited not only to hear about your story, but some of the incredible women that you have featured in the Inc. Female Founders 200 issue, which is on newsstands right now. Um, So let's start with you. You're an executive editor at Inc. You've been at a ton of incredibly well-respected publications, the Wall Street Journal, Smart Money, the New York Daily News, Fast Company, Entrepreneur. What drew you to this world? So it's funny. I actually, well, I guess I,
1: you know, I hate, hate to start all the way back, but um, <laughs> going going through college, I actually studied business in undergrad. And, um, you know, Graduated thinking that I would, you know, get a job in business, and then found myself realizing that I didn't really like doing business, but I loved the idea of business and how it's kind of, you know, transitioned and changed over the years, and you know, been so it's been so powerful in terms of, a course, for society generally. So I liked the idea of studying it and to um, to really get in get involved in it, and so I started to actually look into graduate programs in business and economic reporting. And um, that way I could kind of marry the, the business background with the journalism background, which I had also been doing a bit of in college. You know, I, I had worked in the business world. I worked for Coopers for a bit. I was actually um, on the team that was auditing Adelphia in uh, Cowdersport, Pennsylvania, a lovely place if you should ever go. Um, <laughs> it is. So I ended up going to grad school for, um, for business journalism at NYU and from there ended up at a job at the Wall Street Journal. I was writing about personal finance for a couple of years. I had my own column called Starting Out. It was fun. You know, it was all about like, you know, personal personal finance advice for people in their 20s. And, you know, just from there kind of uh, found that I, you know, enjoyed that and ended up at Smart Money kind of doing something similar. But then I also started to weave in more um, small business coverage. So I've been writing about small businesses and entrepreneurs since, since probably around 2008. And that was heading into the credit crisis. And it was a really wild time to be, you know, covering this, this journey. Um, and, uh, let's see. So I was at the journal, then I went to smart money after that. I think I, I was at the New York daily news. Then I ended up at entrepreneur. So I went, I worked at fast company during grad school and that's where, you know, that part of my bio comes in. Let's see. It's, I guess it's not that interesting. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's so funny to be on this side of the. I guess the microphone. You know, I'm usually the one doing the interviewing, so it's always fun. Um, what I what I like about what I like about what I do. However, is um, you know covering covering personal finance was was a unique thing because I felt like I was learning about my own finances, and it helped me because I was like, oh, you know, this is something new. I'm going to learn about something totally you know off the wall today, and it's about like 401ks and how I should invest my money, you know. And I learned about dollar cost averaging and all this all this great stuff, Um, and it's helped me a lot, just you know, personally and in my career. And then when I was at Smart Money, you know, they started up this website called SM Small Biz, which is actually a terrible URL, but it was all about smart, uh, small business and and basically personal finance. And it was like trying to meld the two. And that's where I got my first taste of, you know, writing about small businesses and entrepreneurs. And these people, this community, you all are just so fascinating and interesting. You know, you're doing something you know, really different all the time. And, you know, maybe your, your approaches are, you know, different. And it was just, you know, you take somebody who like really enjoys studying the world of, of, of business and you get to, you know, be able to really like see how it begins and to, you know, talk to people about their journeys. And it's just, it's super fascinating. Um, so I love that. And, um, you know, what's also good too, is when you're, you're a business journalist, you, you oftentimes find yourself, you know, interviewing, you know, you know, big CEOs for publicly traded companies, and then they are super media trained, and they they they've practiced um, they've practiced every single one of your questions even before you've even you know thought of the, thought of the question. So they're they're super savvy. When it comes to business owners, they're just they're salt of the earth and they're just willing to put it all out there. And you get super unvarnished people, you know, telling you about their story, and that is
0: that's great because you feel like you're not talking to robots. Um, so it's been fun. So would you say that in your, in your path along this way that you have seen a certain type of, of person succeed and what sort of is a common theme amongst them? If, if you've seen that, um, that you've noticed over your past, you know, many years in, in this world? Well, I
1: would, I mean, just to, in a word confidence. So the people who end up, you know, being the ones who are willing to talk to you know, the, the media of the world, you know, they're the people who, you know, feel confident in front of in front of a camera or in front of a microphone. And I think that that's, that's a part of success, too, is being willing to put it all out there and to feel like you can, to feel like you've got it all figured out, even though most of us don't.
0: Yes. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely don't. Uh, at least I don't yet. If you saw my house today, it looks like a time, uh, an explosion went off in it. So let's dive into the issue. You have profiled and featured over 200 female founders. I want to meet them all. Um, Women like Kim Abrams, Emma Greedy, the Taylor sisters, Eva Longoria, my friend, Arianne Goldman. So would love for you to sort of touch on, I mean, I know you don't have favorites because they're all incredible, but touch on a few that really stood out to you and what you think, you know, my listeners could learn about some of these incredible women.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's great too. And thanks for the opportunity to to talk about this on your program. I love your podcast. Um you do you do excellent job. I mean, I don't know how you do it all, frankly. Three kids and <laughs> I have an know. editor. <laughs> out so edit to Veronica. Right? No, and and hats off to the whole team, you know, frankly. So, um just to talk about this for a second. So, female founders, you've been on it, you know it. Um but the idea is that we we take a look at, you know, the sort of the 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 breadth and the the incredible, um, I guess, diversity of female founders out there, and we, what we've done in the past is traditionally feature a hundred of them every year, and then this year we it is a bit of a departure. We ended up expanding the list to 200 women. Um, one, because we were pretty much wowed by all of the entries and there's just a lot of enthusiasm behind female founders these days. So we we went ahead and expanded it. And um, what I love about the package, frankly, um, from an editorial perspective, is that it ends up being this really diverse cross-section of founders. Um, you have people who are just, you know, starting out and they have massive potential like Esther Wallace of Playa Society. It's a fashion brand out of Boston. She is a former basketball player. Um, I'm saying this going to it's going to be terrible. It's I think it's like Division One in in college basketball. So she's she's incredible and um, ended up starting this fashion brand. She was actually very into fashion as a as a youngster and ended up in basketball just because she's you know gifted height wise and she was great at at the sport. And she's just, she's just going back to fashion and um, she's had a lot of success so far, but you know, she's still emerging. And then you have the folks like Jamie Messler from Gaming Society, again, also a person in the sports world, but she's, this is her second act. So she started a company called the Players Tribune with Derek Cheater for a couple of years. She was into it. And I think she left that company around 2018 started gaming society very recently, but this is, this is a company that's all about helping women or helping introduce women to smart gambling, which kind of sounds like an oxymoron, but with the idea of, you know, trying to, trying to educate women on, um, on gambling and this, this new world. And the focus is also on women's sports, which kind of lends itself nicely to the package. Generally, you know, we also feature women who are, who've been at it for a while and they're hitting their strides. So there's, you know, folks like Emma Greedy who, as you know, she's co-founder of Good American, which is a body diverse denim company that, you know, frankly is is killing it. They booked two hundred million in revenue last year. She recently started up another company called uh, Safely with Kris Jenner, and all these all these businesses, strangely enough, she started with um, various members of the Kardashian family. So I don't know. I mean, we kind of like probed into, you know, probed the idea of like, you know, starting something with like a, you know, a celebrity co-founder. But it's really, it's really like her business. She's just a real business operator, and you know, learning from, learning from from her has been really fascinating. So yeah, it's a it's a good cross section. We've uh, there's some there's some definitely uh, some themes that I think we pulled out from the package that might be useful for your audience. Um, you know, the idea of finding funding remains significant. So your friend, Ariane Goldman, we talked to her. She's the founder of Hatch. It's a maternity clothing business. Um, She revealed to us that she was, you know, after bootstrapping the business for several years, she ended up trying to get funding in December of all times in December, 2022. That's like when everyone was talking about, you know, the looming quote unquote looming recession, which we're all still talking about. But this is, this is when the VC world was starting to pull back in a big way. And so she was she was out there, you know, trying to get funding. And she not only ended up getting ten million in funding, she ended up taking over uh, three of her biggest competitors. And now she runs a far bigger company called um, Hatch Collective. And she's figuring out, you know, how to navigate all that. And so we talked to her about the challenges there, you know, in in terms of how to get funding these days. I I don't think that I don't think the rules have changed much. But one thing that I thought was really, really just good advice that I that I enjoyed was that, or you know, not enjoyed, but You know, just good advice for women, and think I think it's a good reminder is to, you know, men to to keep in mind that men are often judged on their vision, while women are judged by their performance. So women just need to do a better job. Potentially, just need to do a better job of pitching their vision. There's all sorts of reasons why woman women can't do the thing, but if we can if we can prepare enough, if if we can perform well enough, if we can give the give the VCs of the world what they want to hear. Then maybe we'll stand a better chance. So it's for pre- preparation and also just being able to pitch your your vision. We also identified the idea of just operating amid uncertainty. You know, founders that we talked to, a lot of them said that they they maintain empathy and understanding. Um, they say that have been that those those um, qualities have been clutched during this difficult time. Um, one business owner that I thought was said something really apt that I loved. Um, that she was like. She compared running a company with being a pilot in a, in a turbulent plane. And the idea is like, what do you think your employees want to hear at this moment? Like, what do you think your passengers want to hear at this moment? Do they want to hear, oh my God, I'm freaking out. The plane is, the plane is, you know, choppy. Or do they want to hear that, you know, hey, don't worry. I've flown through turbulent skies in the past. We're going to get through it. And here's why. So they want the founder. They want the person who's running the ship to be the person who's confident, that has a plan um you know frankly it's important to be honest with your team but at the same time you need to you need to like have a plan you know people don't want to don't want to they want somebody who's in charge who like knows how to do what they're doing and that's just reassurance.
0: want to learn and be inspired by the leading art professionals who are shaping our culture well, the Art Career Podcast is a space breaking barriers by letting you sit in on candid, straightforward conversations with luminaries in visual arts, writing, music, theater, and film. Join New York-based advisor, curator, and overall artist advocate, Emily McElreath for authentic and inspirational conversations with icons of our generation, like Cheryl Strayed, Jerry Saltz, and Marilyn Minter. Emily dives deep into topics like self-development, career trajectories, mental health, social justice, and the artists that have changed our lives. Expand your journey through the arts and feel empowered about what you do. Subscribe to The Art Career wherever you find podcasts. So in this issue and and from your you know many years of interviewing these founders, you're talking to women who have just maybe started a business in the last couple of years to like, you know, the exceptional Emma Greedy who's been in business forever. I met her so many years ago before she even had any of these companies Mm -hmm. and, you know, has a $200 million company. Is there, is there some advice you could glean from just a couple of the stages of what you think ensured success at a startup, ensured success when you get the hockey stick, ensured success when it was like, I'm not sure we're even going to make it, you know, and, and anything you've seen from any of these women? Well, it's, I I think it probably also goes back to confidence probably at each of these stages. Um, But
1: at the startup, you know, as I said before, it's kind of being able to pitch your vision. Like, where are we going to go? You know, stay with me here because this is going to be big, Um, you know, and then also just doing something uh, not necessarily truly novel, but doing something that, that remakes the wheel in a really smart way. Um, and I think that that's, you know, people want refreshing people want to, you know, glom onto the, the, the thing that they think is going to go somewhere. So they don't want something they've already heard before. They want a confident person running the ship. And it's also, you know, to some degree experience, like, do you have, have you worked in the industry in the past? Like, have you, do you come by this knowledge? Honestly, you know, like, where do you, where do you get the the wherewithal to feel confident? You know, and if you have, you have the background for it. You have the vision, yes, you're going to go somewhere. And then the people who are running the ship, who've kind of like been there, done that, and like have have kept it going. You know, this is something we look at for the Inc. 5000 every year is uh, you know, it's fast growing companies. And like, so how do you get to the next level? And I think that from from being the visionary, you need to be a you need to be the executioner. So you need to be able to say like, I this is this is how I'm going to professionalize my business. This is how I'm going to lead an ever bigger company because it is, you know, it becomes this kind of like this, this being in itself, you know, you can't just, you don't know all of your employees at some point, you know, you have to figure out like, how do you hire smartly? So you can, so these people can help you run the company that you, you and help to help you run the company, but also take it where you want it to go. And, And that's to the next level. And then I think we might've skipped a step potentially. So it was like the, <laughs> <laughs> the beginners and then the growers.
0: And then what did we miss? The, the ones who are now, you know, experiencing that sort of hockey stick, which I think is, is different than growing slowly. Some companies, all of a sudden you see this pop and that can be incredibly scary because while it's exciting and you want to keep up with orders and we experience this, you have no money to fund your growth. And so I didn't know if you've seen successful traits or activities that those women have, have done to, to sort of figure that part out.
1: Yeah. No, thank you for the reminder there. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just being resourceful too. like, um, you know, women have been, women are used to not being, not getting the funding. Right. So I don't think that it's like suddenly you can't get money. I mean, that's nothing new for women. Right. But so how do you, so how do you do it in other ways? You know, like how do you, take advantage of your 15 minutes or how do you take advantage of, um, of viral video or something like that? Um, it's, I think it's probably to some degree planning for the unknown, but to some degree, it's also just being resourceful. Rebecca, what do you, what would you say about what I learned during the hockey stick moment? Yeah. Like how do you take advantage of, of,
0: you know, a key, a key, a key issue or a key moment for you? What's helped you? I think that for us at the time, we probably could have leaned on our financial banking partner more. It was happening so fast that raising money wasn't even an option because the growth was just exploding. But I also could have stoked the fire, I think. you know. I think you get these moments and you're like, if I don't take advantage of this right now, it's all going to go away. Mm -hmm. But if you can't take advantage of it, You know, sometimes, you know, when you see these companies and I don't even know if I believe this 20,000 people on the wait list, you know, could you have, you know, stoked the demand by, by just delivering when you can and delivering a little slower, but kept that appetite, like always wanting more. So sometimes I encourage women, you know, don't panic if you can't keep up with the growth and you can't get funding, like do Uh your best and be smart about how you capture people's attention while you can't ship to them. Right. And maybe, that's, and maybe that's developing content, or maybe it's just
1: simply being in touch um, with them and letting them know, honestly, like, hey, I, I truly want to be able to supply you, but I don't have the, uh, the bandwidth right now. Or it's also just being smart in terms of working with your vendors. And maybe there's a way to you know get vendors to you know help you out to some degree. There was, there was this one interview, this is not from female founders, but this is um, an interview from the founder of Stonyfield Farm which I think is actually also in this issue or a past issue. So we talked to him and he was like, you know, kind of dealt with a similar situation. And he, he also acknowledged that, you know, hey, I had to, I had to, li- I had to lean on my invent- my vendors. And, you know, I told them that, don't worry, we're going to get you there. And they ended up, the vendors ended up giving them, um, giving them additional support. And then, you know, lo and behold, they're a huge, a huge company now. And and guess what? They still, you know, deal do business with those vendors who helped them back, helped them out way back when. And so, you know, just being resourceful and using all the,
0: all the, um, the opportunities or all the people at your
1: within your network.
0: Yep. And I also think that we. I, I cl- very clearly remember, you know, taking every supplier and saying, "Can we push out our terms? You know, if it's net sixteen, mm-hmm. net ninety, you know, and just trying to." Get everyone to sort of work with us in a way that they didn't have to flex too hard, and it would help us with our cash flow, so we could put everything back into the raw materials. Right. Um, and that was that was a huge help and enabled us to really grow. And then finally, after that, we could like prove to people like, okay, we're actually real, we're legitimate. You know, you can you can invest in us. Was this what
1: was the moment you're you're talking about in particular? Because I remember the um, iHeart I, I New York shirt like what mm-hmm.
0: was the no this was actually during the 2008 recession so mm-hmm. we took our prices down um because we knew that the woman who was our customer no longer had that type of capital and at the time a 500 hundred dollar bag was considered a deal and we and then that evaporated very quickly and so that over those next two to three years we grew like 500 percent, and it was crazy because you can't you just can't fund it and funding isn't what it is today there was there wasn't VC capital going into brands there was some private equity but it was you know relying on your banking relationships or your brother mortgaging his house which is what mm-hmm. he did um, right. so it was just a different landscape that we had to sort of live through
1: um, i mean but has that changed all that much frankly
0: You know, it hasn't changed, although I will say, you know, for the people that should get venture capital funding, and I say that because everyone sees the big glossy magazine with someone on the cover who's worth a billion dollars, and they're like, I'm going to raise money too. Mm -hmm. And there's so many companies that just aren't meant for venture capital money. And so I think if you have the right company that's going to have the type of growth and, and serve the needs of what venture capital is looking for. Great. Then once you're down that road, just know that you maybe have a 3% chance of getting funded, right. Right. Or less than three. So I think it just depends on, you know, a woman really looking at her business and saying, you know, what is the lane for this? There was a woman raising money that I recently went to her pitch and I was like, she doesn't even have an exit strategy. So I get that she wants me to invest in her, but like she wants to do this for the rest of her life. And that doesn't work if I'm going to give her money and expect a return. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You need patient capital or, or a
1: loan for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You have to figure out what you, what you want and what you need. And that all goes back to the idea of just preparation and knowing what your vision is. Like, do you know where you want to go? I mean, exactly. you have a, you have a cool idea. You've got a great business idea, but where, where are you going to take that?
0: Um, you got to tell the Rebecca Minkoffs of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's incredible. I mean, I feel like you could be an encyclopedia of how to with everything you've learned and been able to glean from women. So, would love any other thoughts before I ask you two more personal questions of anything you anything you think that anyone listening, you know, should know before they go into business or during business or when it's hard, anything they can hold on to. Um,
1: yeah, and thank you for asking that. And you know, okay, so I was coming into this meeting thinking or this interview thinking like, okay, these people don't want to hear from me. Like, what can I really bring to the table? That's but, not true. <laughs> but, you know, I will say that, um, you know, as a, as a journalist, I talk to business owners all the time, and you know, female business owners, and there's there's something to be said for kind of practicing how to tell your own story. And, um, as you're, as you're sort of heading into the world of entrepreneurship, you're going to be, you're going to be up, you're going to be interviewing people or people are going to be interviewing you. And you kind of have to have a better sense of like how your story fits into a larger one. And, you know, in some ways that can help you get attention. Um, so if you like key in on on a mega trend, like inflation or, you know, the past couple of years supply chain hangups, um, which I know, you know, very well, Mm -hmm. um, you know, (laughs) Maybe maybe it's something you've struggled with, you've struggled to land investment like we were just talking about, or even just getting a bank loan. Like how does your business fit in with like a larger mm-hmm. you know mega trend or trend that's happening in the world? Um, and that's something that if you can tell your story from the perspective of how you how you kind of like see that see that thing happening, that can help you get in get into um, or get in front of um, someone from the media. Um, but apart from that, you know, just if you happen to have a fascinating background where you had to overcome some significant barriers, you know, maybe you started up in the world and living in poverty or you came from a tough family situation, just sort of the journey. Journalists love that, that journey. And, it, you know, just if you can manage to have a successful business all the while amid so many, um, so many sort of competing things that are standing in your way. That makes your your story even more compelling, and then one big thing I would say for um, in the in the world, particularly in the world of business journalists, is to be forthcoming with with financials. So I know I've heard it a lot. Private companies don't have to reveal this information, but if you're willing to talk numbers, a business journalist is far more inclined to talk to you. Um, and then you know, then there's also just the the added benefit of having a really novel business idea. So I've said it before, you know, I've been doing this, I've been writing about small businesses and entrepreneurs for 15 years, and I've been a journalist for 20 years. If you can tell me something I don't know, you know, then that makes me far more interested to talk to you. So bring something novel, something new, and it'll, it'll help your chances.
0: So on that on that note cuz my brother you know whenever we did interviews would never share financials it was always extraordinarily vague because he didn't want the competition knowing our actuals um and I don't necessarily disagree with him but what would you say to people who don't want to share that with their competition but they want the article they want the interview it's a it's a hard place to be
1: yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, some people just can't. And that's, you know, that's fine. I think that, you know, some some journalists will accept different information. So if you have venture funding, for instance, that helps um if you have subscriber numbers or if you have customer numbers, if you have, you know, social media numbers even, mentions in social, like whatever whatever to whatever degree you can qualify your success without necessarily getting into the the um the specific numbers behind your your company that that always lends itself to helping your case but the people who can provide revenue for instance and it's that's that's the gold standard so yeah good to know and and i'm curious too why would why would the competition not like why would it be a competitive issue if they got a hold of your numbers what would happen
0: i think the sentiment at the time was oh you know if a company's doing a billion dollars and you're and we're always viewing them as our competition, and they know, oh, we're only doing a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. then then you know how does that change factory conversations internally if you're using the same factory like hey, why are you giving her more space? We're a much bigger company, she's only blah, or how does that change financing if you're working with the same factoring company and so I think there was a hesitancy to say that stuff out loud because other people, it's a, you know, it's a small world and you're using a lot of the same supply chain and bankers and all that. Like, how does that affect negotiations and could that hurt us?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know people have different reasons too. So I'm always fascinated by that. It's like when you can kind of lift the veil of, of the conversation between the entrepreneur and the, the journalist. There's, it's kind of fascinating, which I really appreciate you going through that with me. For sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone has their reasons, but I think that that was primarily ours is our competition is a, is, you know, at one point was, you know, ten times bigger than us. So, you know, we're we're like David and Goliath.
1: Yeah, but you're the one getting the interviews. <laughs> you know? True.
0: Well, I think also it helps that I'm an actual person versus, you know, a nameless a nameless personality brand. Yes. So I think I I understood that and I worked hard to take advantage of that. Yeah.
1: And at the end of the day, we're we're all just people and we all want to hear, we all want to hear from people. So journalists don't like the big, you know, nameless conglomerate too. So if you can be just a human and talk about your real, your real human challenges and real honest business challenges, that's tremendous.
0: Yeah, totally. All right. Well, before we wrap back to you, um, I always love to ask my guests two questions at the end of every podcast is, and they are, what would we be surprised to know about you and any advice you'd like to pass on? Maybe there's a budding journalist listening that you'd like to pass on some personal, you know, information you've gleaned after, you know, the years of, of incredibly hard work.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And, um, well, let's see. So the, my, I guess my advice is to be willing to do that. And this is something that I think I've heard countless times over the, over my, my, um, career, but is be willing to do the things that nobody else wants to do. Um, so in, so from the sphere of being a journalist, that's writing about taxes. Um, no, <laughs> nobody wants to write about taxes. So that's actually really helped me. I, I think I'm, I'm a total nerd when it comes to this stuff, but you know, writing about taxes is 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 served me um, in the world of business journalism because it's just generally speaking, people don't want to do that. Um, Also, I've been writing about small business lending for many, many years, and again, that's another less sexy topic that people don't really care too much about, but it's super important. So be willing to do the things that nobody else wants to do from the business perspective. You know, I've heard countless interviews in countless interviews that people you know, they've, they've managed to run like incredibly successful businesses by being, by being willing to do the things that nobody else wants to do. I mean, think about like all the porter potty operators out there. Like nobody wants to run a porter potty company, but the people (laughs) who do end up being massively successful. Um, so just, you know, not, uh, so keeping that in mind and being willing to do that. Um, and then your other question, what would we be surprised to know about you? Okay. So I am a I also tried to start a business at one point. Um it was going to be called uh it was going to be called and I still think this is brilliant, Bodega Bites. And oh, yeah. um it was all about it was all about using bodega ingredients to make basically gourmet quality food. And we were going to be you know, it was going to be like a YouTube thing. It was going to be, you know, a lot huge on social media. And we got to the point where we were like, you know, taking photos of just random dishes that we'd make. And then as soon as I brought up the idea of, uh, of um, you know, actually going legit with this and like doing, you know, having a business plan, my, my partner at the time, who was actually much more of a chef than I was, um, she got freaked out by it and didn't end up wanting to do it, which I think in the long run ended up serving me because it's like, okay, well, if you don't want to, if you don't want to do a business plan, what are we doing here?
0: You know, so. I'm a failed yeah. entrepreneur. That's, oh, that's man. It. But you're not failed. You just decided to put your talents into telling stories instead. Yeah. All right. Well, I like, I like your perspective on that. Okay. I think that they're, they're, rather than a – I mean, this could be a whole TV show. Just want to put that out there in case you want phase two. But, like, I could imagine turning on Netflix and seeing Bodega Bites, the contest. Yeah. And it's like you got Frito-Lays, <laughs> a Flamingo, <Splendid, laughs> and a Snickers. Go.
1: Yeah, no, actually, that, that was it. And we were going to feature like different neighborhood bodegas and people are going to nominate their own bodegas for this. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so it was, it was fun. It was definitely a good, uh, I'm in my 20s, New York City business to come up with. Yeah. Love it.
0: Yay. Well, thank you so much. And where can everyone um, get the issue online, offline, and or follow you? Yeah, so um, right now... Um,
1: the Inc. Female Founders issue is on newsstands, and it's online at www.inc.com or www.inc.com/female-founders. Um, thank you so much for for having me on the show. I have truly, you know, it's fun to talk about this stuff with you and to to geek out about taxes. So,
0: listen, we all need more information about taxes because right now <laughs> I get scared when I take my advice from TikTok on. How oh I- no! Don't do it. <laughs> Um, thank you so much Diana thank you take care I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts I know it's a pain in the butt but it actually helps with search and algorithms so if you love this podcast it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at rmsuperwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.